Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Dean Tompkins, owner integrator of Pain and Pain Renovations and Design in Northeast Ohio. Have you ever heard of Scrum? Scrum is a workflow management technique that accelerates projects. It's mostly used by software development teams, but its principles and lessons can be applied to all kinds of teamwork. Dean is here to share how he applies it to his remodeling company, and we'll hear all about it in just a minute. You are causing a major disturbance on my time. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? Hi, this is Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hey, virtually this time. Yes, that's right. Across the uh, internet waves, I guess they are. You're, you're so tech. You're so tech. Yeah, I know, really, right? But <laughs> we've got a great topic today and a, a, a neat a neat episode, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I've only, like, Scrum is something from rugby, I think. I, I'm, I, yeah. I, I think it may have gotten its name from it, but I'm kind of curious to hear about it. I don't know really anything about it. I don't know a whole lot either, but I'm all about efficiency. Any place that we can find to cut out the waste and make things more efficient, I am all for it. Yeah, me too. That's cool. All right. Well, let's dive in. Today, we have Dean Tompkins, co-owner of Pain and Pain Renovations and Design. David Payne and Dean run a design build company in Northeast Ohio, and they are members of one of our mentor groups of our roundtables program. Welcome aboard, Dean, and thanks for coming back. Oh, thanks for having us. You know, you did a great program for us before, but now we get to dive into the specifics of Scrum. So when Mark was doing his little intro there, I saw you nodding your head that Scrum comes from rugby? I mean, the, the term does. And I think the, the, you know, the author who wrote a book um, that kind of developed this, uh, it's a good book. Um, the Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by oh, Jeffrey Sutherland. Um, you know, he takes a few victory laps. You got to get past that as you're reading it. But, um, you know, within that, he kind of developed this. And, uh, yeah, it, he takes it away, you know, out of scrum from, from rugby. Well, um, so what is it exactly? So it's kind of like it, it, it's leapfrogging off of some of the concepts of, of lean um, in that like Kanban boards and visualization and creating workflows. Um, so what it does, is just helps you to focus your efforts on the right work at the right time. Um, and it is very visual on how you do that. So then that sounds pretty neat, but give us a little bit of background on how you got into this and learned about it. Yeah, so we were struggling um, with, and I know a lot of remodelers do, with the design department and just getting everybody coordinated and getting projects out the door, right? And right. I, I did a little research on Agile and Scrum because um, we just come out of doing a value stream map and we knew that one of our events was we had to get everybody coordinated better. Um, so we were going to start segregating into teams of people rather than just having like every designer work with every project developer work with every salesperson. Right. Okay. Um, so once we figured that out and we were working on a Kanban board, somebody mentioned Scrum to me and I just started researching it. 
And it was developed out of the software development company, you know, that space. Um, you might hear of Agile too. That's kind of like a competing methodology, but they both do similar things. Okay. And there are programs out there that manage this. Um, but it, it really is just a way to prioritize work. Um, so yeah, like, like basically we went into teams of people and then trained them on Scrum and started utilizing it. So, so Dean, had you, had you done any of those other types of, of programs or is Scrum the first attempt at something like this? So it seemed like Agile didn't do, it wasn't as powerful for our, for the remodeling industry as Scrum would be um, just from, from, it seemed like it was more software development. Whereas like I could easily see from the book that Scrum would apply directly to this. Now that's not to say that Agile might not, might not just the, where I saw the fit was with Scrum. Um, and, and basically, so, so the methodology of Scrum is you would have what's called a product owner you know, within, within software, you can imagine like they're doing apps, right? Like building a lot of different apps. Yeah. So you have like a customer that you're working with to develop this app. So you need somebody who kind of understands the customer's point of view and what they want to accomplish. That's not unlike having a customer who wants to do a remodel, right? They, they have specific wants, needs um, that, that we need to incorporate. And there are various tasks that we have to do to get across the finish line. So all those tasks are called the product backlog. So you have somebody who kind of owns that, creating that product backlog. Within Scrum, like the product owner is kind of the leader. Okay. Within remodeling, like with my team setup, I don't need a product leader so much. So we haven't really enforced that. I would say the teams have naturally kind of had somebody take the lead, but it's not always the same. Like on one team is a designer, on one team is a project developer. It's kind of based on personality more than role. So, um, but you basically create a product backlog of everything you need to do and you don't want to get too granular. Um, but, but you'll, you'll quickly learn how to do it. Um, and, and once you create the product backlog, you're looking at chunks of time into what you can get done within that chunk of time. So like rather than creating a Gantt chart that we're always just continuously manipulating with, you know, when stuff's going to get done, like to me, that's waste, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know what I can get done in the next week or two weeks, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I get those two weeks done. And then we move on to the next. So when you're talking backlog here, it's totally different meaning than what we normally refer to, like in our roundtable meetings of that about backlog that you have yet to build. This is really all the tasks that need to be done in order to finish that project. Yep. Yeah, so it'd be like anything from like a rough floor plan, right? That might be a product backlog item. Uh, the building permit might be a product backlog item. Uh, electrical plans, things like that. Um, so, so you would just list, and you can do this even as simple as post-it notes on a board, right? Like you could do it that way. Um, we use Microsoft Azure DevOps. It was actually kind of free with our Microsoft Exchange server anyway, so we just started with it. And it works really well. Um, so tell me what it is you use again, Microsoft. Microsoft Azure DevOps. Ah, it's okay. really meant for software like developing, but it works well for what we're doing. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Visual, very easy. Now, Dean, to give the listeners a bit of a feel for your company, would you mind sharing a rough idea of how many employees you have, how many in the design team, and 
roughly uh, what your revenue is annually? Yeah, so so we're about a thirteen million dollar company, um, mostly subcontract or all subcontracted. We we're not lead carpenter model. Okay. Um, our design team is let's see, four designers, two assistant designers, and an intern at the moment. Um, so when you're developing the teams, are they called scrum teams? Yeah, yeah, we got scrum teams. So right now we're operating with three scrum teams. And there's a variety of different roles in each team. Yeah, so, so we would have um, a project. We call them project developers. They do a lot of the estimating, um, kind of you know quarterbacking that the construction part of pre-construction. Okay. They they are on the team. Um, so we'll have like one depending on the makeup of the team. Like I might do the one team has a designer, an assistant designer, and two project developers. Another one just has a designer, project developer, you know, and so on. So it just depends on what products mix we have going down each team. So where does sales fit in? So our company is a little bit different that we don't have like a whole sales team. Um, Blaine within our company is kind of like the sales team. Um, Our designers and project developers really do handle most of the sales from what we call a feasibility study. Okay. On. So, okay, so nice. we have a salesperson teeing it up with, with a summary, like a rough budget, and then they take it from there. Um, so, so that sales, so, so Blaine is what we call scrum master on one of the teams. I'm scrum master on two of the teams. Okay. That person is basically there to just any roadblocks, any stucks that you get within the process, they knock them down. So what has been the result, the, the, the visual result of implementing this? And how long have you been working on it? Uh, we trained on it in September of 2020. I'd say we immediately implemented it in October. Um, our, so this is kind of a combination of our, our value stream mapping exercise. And Scrum has taken our time from design agreement to start from, I should just write these numbers down. <laughs> uh, I think it's like 89 days to 50. Right now we're at 54, goals 52. That's that is an amazing days. reduction. Yeah. Networking days. Um, so that's like, you know, five by five rather than seven for weeks. Nice. So, um, yeah. And I think I probably should go into a little bit about how the teams operate, right? Please. So you create this product backlog and you divide that work into what we call sprints. So we primarily do two week sprints. And so we'll meet like on a Monday and we'll just decide between, you know, the three or four of us, whoever's on the team of the product backlog, what all can we possibly get done over the next two weeks? And we drop that into to do column and we pull that into that sprint, so to speak. Then each day we're doing a 15 minute daily huddle where it is virtual you know, it's really quick. Some of them are even down to like eight minutes right now, um, but max of 15, where you go through three questions. What'd you do yesterday to help us towards our sprint? What are you going to do today to help us towards our sprint? And what are your stucks? Um, if there are any stucks, we, we call it dropping it down. We discuss it at the end and the scrum master helps figure out what resources, what may need, what may need to be done in order to get that stuck. Unstuck, basically. 
once we plan that, what's going to happen, we actually give it a work effort. Um, within the book, it follows the Fibonacci sequence. Uh-huh. Um, so, so like humans are very bad at like estimating the amount of hours that something's going to take. Right. So it's easier to just say this one's kind of like this one, and I rated this one an eight, and this one's kind of like this one, and I rated it a five. And and, and using those kind of weird sequence of numbers helps you to kind of categorize them right. So over time, you get better, right? Like like you'll realize various work efforts and you can actually plan your weeks better because you know if you're putting too much into a week because you're you'll total it up and you know say you typically do 60 and it's like in an 80 then you know you've bitten off more than you can chew and you start pulling out of it but this really helps to prioritize what you're working on okay you gotta explain that little bit to me again because i'm not, not quite getting it yeah so so like say you know you're looking at a project and you know that you've got to get the estimate done and submit for architectural review board. And there's a customer meeting and all this stuff. Right. And so you rate that each one based upon how much work effort it's going to be. From a one to 10 sort of a thing. uh, Like you use the numbers one, two, three, five, eight, 13. Like, so it's relative work efforts. And then once you, you start to get a pattern of how you rate things, you become more repeatable. And then you know if you're overscheduling your week or two weeks. So it, it, it's, it's kind of conceptually weird. Like once you do it, like I think read the book, it'll become more clear. But it, it, it really helps with your planning so that you're more, you can be more repeatable with what you get done. So you're rating each component of the backlog, the scrum. The task, yeah. And you're and- just doing it quickly, right? It's got feel. You're like, this is an eight, this is a three, this is a five. And then as you do it over and over, you can fine tune what you're rating it. Right. Yeah. And you get pretty good at your velocities and knowing how fast you can go. And one of the great things about it is, right, like we're only pulling projects that we can immediately work on. Um, we're limiting it to about five. Like each team's working on a max of five at a time because they're in different stages. What used to happen is you would get like, uh, multiple combinations, right? Like right now we have a backlog of 22, I believe, projects that we haven't pulled yet. Well, previously, all those 20 would be in the mix too. Right. And so it would slow everything down. You'd work on the wrong thing at the wrong time. We're telling the clients that we're not touching your project until, you know, approximately three months. And, and it's actually become, because this has become so predictable and regular, we're actually hitting those dates or beating them right now. Um, so How are the clients reacting to that? Uh, okay, like obviously disappointed, but it's, it's the market's where it is, and there's all remodelers are in the same have the same right. problem. So, um, is, is there is, like I was looking at um, different videos online about agile and Scrum, and one of the cool things I saw was an analogy to like if you took. Um, and threw somebody a ping pong ball, chances are they're going to catch it. If you threw them two, they could probably catch two. If you took a bucket of them, they're probably not going to catch any, right? So, so just taking your entire, everything in pre-construction and just throwing it on the design team doesn't work. So you got to meter that down so you're actually being productive. How did you determine five was the magic number? So it's kind of based upon... Um, the, uh, this is a little complicated. Um, 
the rate at which we need to get projects out the door and how we sized the scrum team's abilities, you know, as far as how much they can get out the door, that's like the, the, the perfect mix to make sure we're getting, you know, one out a week, basically. Um, or right now it's a little more than one a week, but, but that, that, that was kind of the meter, the metric to, to determine that it was capacity planning, basically determine that number. So you had mentioned that one of the scrum teams had two project developers. Do you give that team the more, the larger, more complex projects or more projects, or they should be able to handle more capacity, right? Yeah. So, so the, it's, and that's a good question. The project developers are actually my bottleneck. So they're determining how many each team gets, right? So the five is actually how many the project developers can handle at a time. So the one team is getting closer to 10. Now, the one project developer is newer in training, so it's not quite 10, but that's how we're metering it. So that's our capacity plan, planning constraint. Is there any any kind of trick or component to when, when a sprint or a, a scrum is completed and then handing off to another scrum or? So you, you, you only put tasks in that you know a great definition of what done is, right? And you wanna try and make them right size so they finished within your sprint. So you wouldn't like write, like say your estimates take three weeks, you wouldn't write final estimate done you would say final estimate fit complete through quoting or, you know what I mean? And then that proposal written or something like that. You would write it in such a way that you can complete it so that you're always making sure you're completing your sprints. Now, in reality, in our industry, it's hard to complete your sprints 100% each time. Um, you're always gonna have some stragglers because of the customer interaction part of it in design. Um, but we've seen such an acceleration that that's okay. So while the actual mechanics sound a little challenging, and I will, everybody will encourage people that are interested to read the book, and we'll put yeah. a tag in the show notes, give us a, a back up a little bit from the details of the thing itself to like, how did you introduce it to your team? How did they react to it? Um, just uh, put together a simple, and, and it sounds really complicated, it's as simple as moving post-it notes from to do, doing, done. And you just redo that every two weeks. That's, that's as simple as it is. It sounds complicated. That's really all it boils down to, right? Like, and, and the capacity planning part of it will become apparent as you try it. So, so it's kind of like you just do it yep. type thing. But so we did a quick training. I mean, I think the, the slideshow is only like 16 slides, right? Like it's, it's a small training and you just go through it and uh, everybody was bought in because everybody was through the struggles. They knew what the problem was. And uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty seamless rollout. Dean, how, how do you deal, what's the accountability aspect of it? How do you prevent just someone saying, well, I just, you know, I'm just slower this week or it's just not gonna happen or things like that. I mean, how do you hold people to it? Um, so we have pretty good people working for us. I haven't seen that to be an issue. They're all pretty driven, but the scrum master's job is to challenge, right? Like, like if something isn't quite, you know, if you get the answer, well, like the customer hasn't gotten back to me. Um, well, did you pick up the phone call or was it an email, right? Like, like just push to, to make sure that you're 
breaking any roadblock you could be in the way rather than just being okay with the answer. And that's the other good thing is because you're trying to get a very finite chunk of work done, it's easier to hold somebody accountable than a Gantt chart where we know Gantt charts are always just moving. Like I've fought pre-construction Gantt charts for the last 20 years. I've never been right. Um, so I've just kind of thrown it out the door and like we're more repeatable now. Like we're proudly setting better expectations for our clients without an actual true schedule. Now, forgive me if, if I misheard something, but do you have certain, uh, and I'm probably going to get even the terms wrong now, but if you have, do you have certain sprints? All right, let me just reset real quick. The sprints are within a scrum and, or, and there's multiple scrums? So, so there's scrum teams. Scrum teams. Sprints happen for each project. Okay. Sorry, for each scrum team. And you might have multiple projects in each scrum team at a time. So and, the sprints are just ongoing. Okay. And so do you have a, um, like, can you have two scrum teams that are this, doing the same thing at the same time as far as separating tasks? Yeah, on different projects. On different projects, right? Yeah. So is there anything, is there any, um, I don't know if compet competitive list, like the scrum A is, that team's doing this and you guys need to pick up the slack or... <laughs> There hasn't been, like, I could see that happening. We're about to put in some metrics on revenue started per week um, and, and divide that up by scrum team. Like that might start to generate some of that, but really like I'd say each team's velocity is different based upon how they rate work effort. So one team, you know, how they rate work effort might be different than the other, but they're proud. Like when you look at it though, they're the same. They just, when one person thinks that a final estimate is an eight and another one thinks it's a 13, you know, but, but they're both right. It's, it's whatever works for them and is repeatable. That's cool. So if you were to do this over again, you're starting it fresh. Are there, are there one or two or three things that you would, would have done differently had you known? That's a good question. I, I think um, I probably would have done a little more training on the software up front and, and, and just invested in getting it set up fully. Um, Cause it was free, but only for a certain amount of users. So mm -hmm. like now that everybody can utilize it, it's just gotten a little bit easier. Um, the other thing would be uh, just uh, making sure that I'm utilizing fully some of the things within the book, right? Like, like there's some like golden rules in the book we're breaking. One is like making sure that you don't dump something else into a sprint. They say you can't add work during a sprint. We're bending that rule because remodeling a lot of times, like if something changes, I'm not going to wait till two weeks to do it. Right. So, so maybe setting some better rules around that though, because I feel like we've gotten a little loose with that. Um, and then the other thing is like, I, I think we could probably take it into the field more. Um, we've now toyed with it with punch lists. Oh. Um, and it's worked really well, um, especially with difficult clients. Um, we, we've had one recently that was very challenging, so to speak, and uh, it really helped us cross the finish line. I, I think we probably shaved three weeks off of the closing. Wow. We would have done it the normal way with this client. So, Dean, you, you said something there that, that perked my ears up, and I, maybe I missed it earlier, but so you said the software. So mm -hmm. to do Scrum, there's a, a platform that you, you need to use? 
That was the Microsoft Azure, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's oh. all kinds of them out there. They're, oh, they're, okay. There's Jura. Um, I'm Got like, it. Trello, Trello, something like that. Okay. But there's a bunch of them because the software industry has been doing this for a, a while now. Like right, we're just um, really? so, going through other industries too. Yeah. So if you're going to take this, you're using it for punch list. How does that work? How do you fit? How do you create a sprint around punch list items? If you're waiting on, especially now, you know, how long does it take? to do it, to get a, a drawer front that got scratched. You got to get a replacement, things like that, that you, over which you may have little control. Yeah. So I think it's more about focusing the resources. Um, you know, sometimes when you get Gantt chart, you're just making the phone call. And it's like, oh, I can't get that for six weeks. Right. Like this focus is a little bit better. It's like, okay, is there an alternative? Um, can we do this instead? Can we just go ahead with paint rather than waiting? Like, because sometimes with the traditional Gantt chart, you're focused on critical path, but some of those ancillary things come back to bite you. Right. Okay. So, so I, I've just seen behaviors change more so than anything in that final stretch of just making it a priority to get it done. So, Dean, are, do you have any visions about taking this further? You mentioned taking it more to the field, other places as well? Yeah, I, I think even within the book, um, it talks about doing a remodeling project with it. And I think that was kind of like a special case, frankly, right? Like if you're doing a one-off, it's easier. Um, but it, I'm, I'm intrigued by the transformation that could happen if, if I was operating my entire team on Scrum in the field and, and not having a Gantt chart, so to speak. Yeah. But that would take a crazy amount of integration with the other subcontractors and everything. Yeah. That's a, that's a next step, um, maybe in a year or two. Um, but it's, uh, it's intriguing to, to, to think about the gains that we've had in pre-construction about what's possible in construction. It's just not as clear cut of how to achieve that because there's so many players involved. Right. Right. But the fact that you have cut your time in pre-construction by so much is pretty astounding and you've only been doing it for nine months or so. Yeah, and I think there's more room to be had there. One of the things that you do in the book is the, the customer is part of the Scrum team. We're not doing that. It's a little bit touchy, but like I kind of want to try playing around with that just to see, because imagine if the client was accountable to the sprint as well. Oh my gosh, for selections and homework and all the things that they have to do, wouldn't that be fabulous? Yeah, it probably doesn't work with every client, but right. I got to imagine there's clients out there that would be all over that, especially if they're you know, on a tight timeline, I want to get it done. Or if they're familiar with software development, right. maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, do it in Silicon Valley might be a little easier than Northeast Ohio, but. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is All probably your, one of the tougher regions to do that. In. Yes. I think. All your high C clients will love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Dean, the closest thing we have to a sprint on power tips unscripted is the, the lightning round. Are you ready to do our sprint? Sure, fire away. I might need a scrum master to help break down some roadblocks. <laughs> and now, here's a remodeler's advantage lightning round. It's a trap. All right, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? Uh, I'm going to say good to great. Mm. Um, just because, like, I love the research that was done in that. 
and then the takeaways, right? Like it's, it's basically a roadmap of how to become a great company. And it's based on a lot of fact and, and not a whole, not a ton of subjectivity. I mean, it's hard not to be subjective, but there's a lot of objectivity in that book. If you weren't the owner of a remodeling company, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, so probably between two things, um, maybe a professor um, or, or a manufacturing engineer on a job floor. Like I, I love processes. It still gets me going. So yeah, that's great. It's obvious. What are you not very good at? Uh, not very good at. Um, I would say big groups of people speaking in public, interacting at parties. I'm an introvert, so this is tough for me. Your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? Uh, definitely the desk, just because that's where I spend most of my time. In one word, describe your high school self. <sighs> Nerd. <laughs> What's the last show you watched on TV? The last show? Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm currently watching, oh no, it's uh, Sweet Tooth. That's actually not too bad. Oh, I haven't heard of that one before. I'm not familiar with Sweet Tooth. What's that? Uh, oh, man, I, I might even be getting the, the, the title wrong. Um, but it, it's it's a kind of a crazy, fantastical, apocalyptic show. Oh, nice. I like a good apocalypse. <laughs> Nothing like a good apocalypse, is there? <laughs> Jeez. Dan, this has been wonderful. Thank you again for jumping on with us today. We love having you on. Um, now, before we let you go, though, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience, as well as why they resonate with you. Oh, all right. Um, my five words of wisdom. I wonder if this is five words. Empowering your employees equals happiness. And how do you mean? Um, one thing that we've done recently is like just focused on, on making sure like our employees are, are being given the freedom to make decisions and run with things. And, and it's scary at first, but like it's, we have such great employees. It's like awesome to see how much they just run with the ball. So. <sighs> Well, see, right there is another topic for you for the future, my friend, because a lot of business owners have trouble with that level of delegation. It is scary. So we'll put, pull you back on for one of those. Thanks. Sound like, sound like a plan? Yep. You just, you just painted yourself into a corner, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only talking to the two of us, not the world at large, right? Uh, Thank you very much, Dean. This has been wonderful. I very much appreciate you doing it on short notice today, and it's, it's been great. So thank, thank you. you, Victoria. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Dean. Bye. Bye. Wow, that uh, seems like the, the, I mean, the results are so good. But boy, it sounded complicated until he said Trello. And since I'm familiar with that software, that's pretty simple. Yeah, I struggle with it. <laughs> yeah. it's, not that, it's not that it's complicated to use. I just, you know. I, I, my C for, you know, from the disc, the C is uh, the rule following the rule following. And, and I don't think I even have a register on mine. So um, <laughs> to, to have to go in and do anything like that kind of gets on my nerves, but yeah, you, yeah. Can see, you know, Dean wanting to be that engineer and you pretty polar opposites, but pretty cool, pretty cool process. He was describing. Don't yeah. You? It's, it's amazing to see, you know, to, to see that in, in only nine months to go from, you know, whatever it was, 89 days to 54. 
yeah. or, or something. I mean, yeah. that's dramatic. That's not an incremental improvement. No, and think about if you can start turning jobs around that much faster, the capacity of your business goes up tremendously. Now, you still have to deal with the production side. But right. so many people have that bottleneck in design and estimating, and they're, they're pumping through that. Well, see, he he essentially kind of actually applied the whole concept to that. He didn't try to bite the whole apple in, you know, the whole thing in one bite. He just took the pre-construction part and mm-hmm. broke that down. And then he's going to look into incorporating into next phases, which that could be a tendency for people to, okay, how can I put this whole process into this books concept? And you're just making a lot of work for yourself. So he chunked off the, the front part and then tackled the next. That would be interesting if he could pull off use, in, in, including the customer in the process. Oh, I think that'd be fantastic. You know, to have deadlines and I think it'd be great for the client to, if they understood it and got behind it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you That's could use this process for, like I was thinking about marketing tasks, marketing, you know, two week sprint, we're gonna, we're gonna get this new website up, or, you know, or whatever, you know, for this new product, or we're gonna, you know, it's all sorts of places that one could apply Scrum. <laughs> Two-week task, get a website up. I love your, your thinking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, if you focused on it as a huge priority and didn't do all the other millions of things that you're being pulled off to do. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I, I, think we website, end, but... I think we should end on that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All, all right. right. Well, we want to thank Dean for taking the time to share this cool uh cool book and this cool process that he's using in his business with us. And we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a beautiful